Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. This is Dr. Yvonne and today is September the 18th, 2013. I want to say hi, happy hump day to everybody. We have a program today that um, I am very honored to host. There is a beautiful, talented young lady that will be joining us for this program, a couple of them as a matter of fact, Um but I have I just can't say enough about my um the, the first guest who will be joining us shortly. You've probably heard of this woman. Her name is Rashonda Tate Billingsley. Now, why is she so special? If you don't know who she is, you've probably been living under a rock somewhere, but if not, let me give you a bit of an education. She started out, like most of us, uh, someone that was sitting and making up stories and doing all the things that little girls do. And over time, there was the call of this gift on Rashonda's life. She was writing and, and started um, by doing something so wonderful like uh, bringing, uh, writing a book a couple of books actually and what when she what she decided to do was to take that leap of faith and put her content out there on air when um when soon as she opened up and put that content out we were very uh, blessed to be exposed to something so wonderful as the future 21 titles eight adult novels, 18 novels and a fiction novel not to mention three anthologies and a poetry book that was going to come forth from this spring called Rashonda. Well, without further ado, I know her time is very, very tight. She is in our studio today, and I want to bring her on. Rashonda, are you there? I am. How are you today, beautiful? I'm doing wonderful, and yourself? I'm I'm fantastic. I know your schedule is so tight, so first I just wanted to jump right in, sell them, do um, we ever take that format, but there is so much going on with you, and I don't even know where to begin the interview, so why don't I just start where you want me to start? Girlfriend, what's happening? What's next on your agenda? I'm <laughs> just staying busy. That is what I do. Um, I actually, um, just my, my 28th book just came out, and I'm preparing for the release of the 29th book, uh, preparing for the movie. I'm under contract for 10 more books, so I'm just staying busy. How do you do? I, I swear, there are two women in this world that just amaze me, you and Jaylene Mack. Where in the heck do you get your energy from? 
You know, I just do it. Um, I'm a firm believer in realizing your dream, living your passion, and so that's what I'm always doing. I'm I'm working to make that happen. I have to ask a question. There are so many people that uh, want to be you when they grow up, and and how do you um, go from having a vision and having a dream and and having I guess the courage to step out on faith, because if I re- recall, I know that you were a uh, news anchor and, you know, you, you worked in NBC, ABC, Fox stations. You worked in Houston, Beaumont, Oklahoma, uh, and you've done all of these things. What gave you the inclination to say, you know what, now is the time. What was it? Was it like an epiphany that hit you? Or, you know, your husband said, baby, you know, why not do it? Or God woke you up out the middle of your sleep and said, girl, what are you doing? What led you down this path? You know, I just decided to one day I woke up and decided to start talking about living my dream and live my dream. Um, I was living part of it, working in television, but I really wanted to write a book. And I just finally said, well, this book is never going to get written with me thinking about writing it. And I need to put action behind this vision. And that's what I did. So what you're, what you're saying, in essence, is simply this. For that law of attraction to work, one, you have to get off your behind and actually make something happen. But going beyond that, once you found yourself uh, pinning this thing and you get this phone call and all of a sudden you get that call that makes your life change, what happened then to give you the the drive to write hit after? I mean, if you were writing music, you'd be in the league with uh, with Smokey Robinson or somebody. But you have had a a succession of nothing but just awesome content. Where do you get the inspiration for these books? Yeah, I would love to say that I just um, sit in the mountain in Maine and come up with these fabulous ideas. <laughs> But I don't. I do have a very active imagination. But I also, I'm constantly, you know, observing. I'm a big observer. So I am, you know, taking in my surroundings. I can be working at Starbucks and someone come in for their morning latte and have no idea that they were the inspiration for my book. I'm going to watch everything I do around you from now on. (laughs) There's a joke in my family. Don't say anything around Rashonda unless you want it in the book. Okay, that you know I'm going to go there, right? Have any of your family members, and I'm going to say right now, uh, I am going to hide if you say yes to this. But have there has there ever been a time that something happened in your family that was colorful, uh, or let's just say uh, fabulous? And you know the word that goes before fabulous, right? And all of a sudden you said, uh huh. And you wrote that uh, or, or built a character and developed a story behind it. And then all of a sudden, this book comes out and somebody's reading it and they're going, Girl, no, you didn't. All the time. Every family reunion, every get together. You know, I, I don't constantly. I'm, I'm taking my family is very colorful. I have a very large, very country family. And so I am always, from funerals to weddings to just family reunions, gathering material. Uh, you know, some of my family members, they don't read anything but Jet Magazine. So <laughs> they've yet to see themselves in the pages. The other staff just really, you know, they, they know what I do. They support it. Uh, most of the time they're like, oh, that character's over the top. 
not even realizing that the character is based on them. I would I would just pay all the money in the world to see that statement come out of someone's mouth and the expression on your eyes because if anyone looks at you, you have these big beautiful eyes that tell everything. So that would that would be funny. My my question is, would you please describe a time when that happened where something that you uh picked up from just I guess the environment of being around a friend or a family member that made it into one of your books. Give me an example of one of those things. You know, I was um, I was at my uncle's funeral and my other uncle, his brother, got up and said, you know, that he said, My brother's death made me realize that I want to do right by my eight kids. The problem was we only knew about four <laughs> including his <laughs> wife who was sitting on the front row. And he just said, oh, baby, because everybody's gasping. And he said, oh, baby, I'll talk to you about those other four kids when we get home. And my sister looked at me. I looked at her. She said, you're going to put that in the book. I said, you know I am. That is, oh, man, that is wild. Uh, I, I know that a couple of your books have been um, just really shaped the lives of people. And one being my brother's keeper, another one being the uh, the pastor's wife, or two of the things that I really have uh, embraced and found to be so engaging. My question to you is, books are like babies, and if they're like your children, what are your favorite kids in terms of the books that you've written? You know, that is, that is hard because, and I get that question a lot, uh, it is like saying which one of your kids you like the best. Uh, and I, I really do, all of my books are near and dear to my heart. But if I have to choose, it, it's going to be one of my later ones. It used to be one of my earlier ones. I know it can change. But it's my book that came out last year, The Secret She Kept, because it's a book I had to fight for. It deals with mental illness. It's a woman that meets and marries the man of her dreams but forgets to tell him that she has severe bipolar disorder. And I have mental illness in my family. (laughs) And and like a lot of, especially families of color, we don't talk about crazy Uncle Joan. We don't talk, you know, we don't talk about those issues. And so that's why that book was uh, was dear to me and dear to me. And I had to fight for it. And it has touched so many people. Mm -hmm. i got to ask a question. If there was a message that resonated in that book that could impact the lives of your audience, what message would you want them to take away from that piece of work? You know, from that one, that it is okay to seek help. We go to the doctor when our arm is hurt. We go to the doctor when our chest doesn't feel right. Uh, doesn't feel right. But when something is wrong in our mind, we don't. And we there's a stigma on it. And I just it's so important to break that stigma, and and helping getting getting people help and just getting those caregivers. And and so all of those are issues that I address in the book. But one of the things that I do with my writing is I don't make anything too deep. I'm going to incorporate trademark humor. So you're going to enjoy it, but you'll get a message at the same time. Yeah, that's something that I've found in your works that just really intrigues me is that you have this way of putting people right in the – if it were a movie – it would be like being in IMAX or being in 3D. It, it, you are so present in the scene, and you feel almost as if you're sitting next to your characters. Is that a style that was taught to you, or did that just evolve from your gift? You know, I think that is that is my gift. Um, I think one of the things that I try to do when I write is I write real flawed characters. 
I write about you and about me. And we're not all good and we're not all bad. And so I think what happens is uh, with my books, people are able to relate. Um, they're able to see the good and the bad of themselves or someone they know. And it, I, I definitely think that is a gift that I have been blessed with. Now, and there's, I noticed uh, and one in the nonfiction title, Help, I've turned into my mother. And as uh, I know being a father, I can look back and I think of all of these things that Cicero Young used to say. And I'm like, dude, you don't want me to have no fun. I mean, dang, everybody else, daddy is letting them have some motel money. You telling me what I shouldn't be doing. Everyone else, daddy lets them go here. You got me sentenced to my room. And now I look back and with my father being long deceased as well as my mother, being an only child, I can see and my parenting of now adult children, how I have turned into both of my parents in essence. When, How do you see Rashonda having turned into her mom? You know, we used to say that like it was a bad thing, and that's why I wrote that particular book because, you know, when you hear that, it's automatically a negative connotation with it. And then I was thinking about it. My mother did all right. <laughs> she raised two successful young ladies. She was a, a role model. My mother did pretty good. So what that book is about is the good, the bad, and the ugly of turning into your parents. And that's what I wanted to focus on. And so it is a, it's an uplifting book. Um, and I, that is my first nonfiction. My second nonfiction was the Motherhood Diaries. And that's kind of the good and the bad and ugly of raising kids in the new millennium. And so what has happened is all of those things that I hated about my mother, her not letting me stay out till midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm now doing that with my children. And so, okay. again, it's, it's humorous. <laughs> That is, I, I think that's really phenomenal that you can go through so many different aspects of the human psyche. You, in my practice as a holistic coach, uh, we use this thing called the Myers-Briggs uh, typology to really access where people's innate tendencies come from. And when I read your books, I see all the archetypical representations also of the caregiver and the rescuer and the sage and all of these things. But I understand that now you've got a uh, huge uh, – well, we're not going to go to break, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm just uh, wanting to let my producer know we're not going to break because I know Ms. Billingsley's time is so short. But I do want to ask you about the movie. Tell me about the movie that uh, what, that they took one of your books and now it's being made into film. Yes, uh, my book, Let the Church Say Man, which is my second book, um, it has been made into a movie. Um, Regina King directed it. She's making her directorial debut with it. Queen Latifah is one of the producers. And it was just a phenomenal experience. I do have a speaking role in it. Uh, and I was on set the whole time, so I was involved in that process from start to finish. And we recently premiered the movie at Megafest, and I'm just so excited. We don't have a, a release date yet. It will either be in November or March because um, it was shot for BET, but it may be going to theaters. And so we're working out those logistics right now. So it's just it's a dream come true to see your words on the big screen. Talented, talented cast. Yeah, um, Steve wow. Harris, who from private practice, he in Diary of a Mad Black a Woman, he he's the one of the main characters. Um Hosea Chanchez who plays Malik on the game, Notori Naughton, and Layla Rashawn was phenomenal. So she's back, she plays the first lady. She uh, she just had the whole audience in tears, um, with her scene. So it was just a great experience and one of the highlights of my literary career. Well, for characters I mean 
you would have to be one heck of a good actor in order to bring your characters to life because if someone were not seasoned in that crap, they would just um, probably end up make, making someone like me throw my popcorn and drink at the silver screen. Now, I've got to ask you this because I know I'm really pushing time with you. Uh, you were in a play, and um, you are quite the actress. Are you going to be doing – well, first, tell everybody about that play, and are you going to be doing another one anytime soon? Yeah, I that was a, another dream come true. I was in a, a touring stage play called Marriage Material, Jacarius Johnson's Marriage Material, and we toured the country. It was it was an awesome experience. Um, that was my first love, but my mother was old school. She was like, you're not going to be an actress. You're going to get a real job. Uh, and so, you know, I've always had that desire, and I got the chance to do it um, with Marriage Material. Currently there are no plans to do another play, although I'd love to. Um, the play market has kind of tapered off. Um, but I, I, as I said, I do have the speaking role in my movie, and I'm hoping um, I have a, a four more books being made into movies. So I'm hoping I can get a little bit more lines with each movie. Okay. We have a uh, caller that I'm sure wants to make a comment. Do you have time to talk to one of your fans? I, I do. I do. Go ahead. Okay. Area code. Three one five three eight two. Your own conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Do you have a question or a comment for Rashonda? Okay, that person is being very quiet. I'm going to put that on hold just a second. Uh, one thing that I do want to ask you about prior to, because um, I know you've got to get out of here. Um, one other thing I do want to ask you. Where can we get your newest work, and what do you have on cue? Yeah, I am. My books are in all the bookstores, as well as Walmart, Target, um, Barnes and Noble, independent stores. I'm even in some of the grocery stores, so I, I'm everywhere. And of course, online. And then I do have a book signing in Houston um, on um, this Saturday from two to four at Vincent Branch Library. And then again on Saturday, October 5th, I'll be at the Authors Networking Summit on Jensen Drive. Now, that's an event to benefit youth literacy, and I'm, I'm a mistress of ceremony, so that's a phenomenal event. Okay, and is there anything you want to leave us with? Because I know I going to your website, uh, people can learn a lot about you, about the books and the media, and I believe that's RashondaTateBillingsley.com. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. And I'm very active on social media, so you can find me on social media under my very long name as well. <laughs> well, I tell you, I appreciate it. I know I was, I was only supposed to have you and be graced with 15 minutes of your presence, and I had to steal you're, those. You're actually okay. I, just, I, had a, I have another interview at 1230, so I, we're, we're good. I, I, I'm good. <laughs> Okay, well, Rashonda, thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you at the Arthur's Summit, and we love you and keep bringing us good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. You know, it's, it's great to talk with you once again, and I look forward to seeing you as well. All right. God bless you. That was Rashonda Tate Billingsley, ladies and gentlemen. One thing that I want to encourage uh, my listening audience to do is really pay attention to the things that my guests say. And here, here's what I'm talking about. If you noticed, she made this comment that I, want, I, I wanted to do this and I got the inclination 
that I needed to quit thinking about it and actually do something about it. And and that's where the laws of attraction start working on our behalves. When we take a moment and turn it into something meaningful and something tangible, what that creates is transcendence. And that transcendence is the very source and the spawning ground of all the things that's good in life. I had someone talking to me um, just recently, and they were asking me as as uh, a client in my practice, and they were like, Dr. D, how do you create, how do you bring into, ma- into manifestation your, the things that you dream of doing? And I, and I made the comment, that's it right there. You just stop dreaming and start and start doing. The difference between a goal and an idea is simply one thing. The goal, you never put a date on it. You know, I mean, you know, it's like you, you have to put a date on it. And, and when you do that, it goes from being an idea and a goal to a plan. You can do that. And what I would suggest to any of you that are within earshot of me, those of you that are listening, uh, you know, all in South America and in Canada and the U.K. and on the islands, I don't care if you are in a remote hut in the back of the bushes somewhere. If there is a talent that you have been given, you can rest assured that God did not put that in you for just to be there and lay dormant. What many of us do is we have these visions and dreams, and they they're not there just because you uh, drank some some rum punch. These things have been written into your consciousness, and they are written into your heart for the one reason, and that is for you to change this place one person at a time. And the place I'm talking about is your environment, your community, your neighborhood, you know, even your city, your state, your country. But you will never change any of those things as long as you allow your talents to uh, remain hidden within. Well, with those being said, we're going to take about a uh, 57 break, and we will be right back. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Her work is 
what I would call just a very similar to Rashonda's work. Um, and I guess pretty soon this sister's work will probably be going to film too. But it's about manifestation. And the definition of manifestation is an event, an action, or an object that clearly shows and embodies something, something that was once a theory or an abstract idea. What I want you to ask yourself is what are you willing to bring in the manifestation? What is it that you have been thinking of doing and creating that has sat on the shelf so long that you've missed the birthing place, you've missed the opportunity, because as time goes by, you will not get that time back. I would be the first to tell you that the books that I have written or my practice or the things that I have been so uh, very blessed to achieve in my life are all the results of being able to stop dreaming and start doing. I can recall not too long ago that um, we, I was talking to Jaylene Mack, who is my entertainment attorney, and I asked Jaylene, I was like, you know, um, I want to make sure that we get a national footprint and that we can make this brand do what I envisioned it doing, and that's changing people's lives. And Jaylene looked candidly at me and only the way that Jaylene Mack could do, and she said, uh, just do it. So that's what I want to say to you is that as you sit back and as you envision yourself creating things and doing these things, take a note from Rashonda's page. Put it on paper. See your vision. Write it down. Make it plain. You would be so surprised of what you're capable of, but many of us fall so short of uh, reaching our potential and seeing these things come to pass because we simply are sitting back waiting for the perfect time we're waiting on someone else to mobilize or loan us that money or to uh, for it to be just the right moment to do it, for the kids to leave home or for this person that we've ended up in this shabby relationship with, for them to get out of our hair. And being honest, ladies and gentlemen, there is no perfect time. The perfect time to do anything is right now. And if you have it in you, and let's say, for instance, you feel that you don't have the resources. Yes, you do, and I'm going to tell you why you do. Everything, especially those of you that are listening to this and saying, well, you know, I could have done it a year ago when I had the money. Well, often what I have found is God takes, very similar to what my mother used to take, is the leftovers from your life and create something wonderful. I remember being a kid, we would have like this Sunday roast uh, every Sunday, and it would be so well seasoned. And it was something about uh, that 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 day. You know, my parents liked it. It was good. The guests liked it. But the day after, mother would take that roast and cut it up and trim away the fat and add uh, a little, you, you can tell I haven't had lunch, right? <laughs> you know, she would add like some salt and pepper and a little flour and a little water, a little oil and some red onions and make this gravy. And she would put that meat in there with some potatoes and carrots. And a, Damn, that's making me hungry. But anyway, she would do all of this. And when she finished, she would take the leftovers. And the leftovers were just enough for her to manifest something quite wonderful that soon, I, I call it mom's hash, right, because I, I think that's what uh, most of us would call that. She would just make this 
this wonderful meal out of what was left, I truly believe that that's exactly what's going on with you when you and I have all of these things that we feel have either walked away from us that we have lost or, you know, perhaps if we just tell the truth about it, some of these things that we may feel that we have mismanaged or that we have uh, uh, maybe some opportunities that we've blown and what have you. In my opinion, if you were able to talk to people like Martin Luther King or you were able to uh, have a conversation with God, what he would say to you is that, you know, this is a situation where he has positioned you to have uh, everything that you need and to have it in such a way that now you are truly prepared and you're truly ready to manifest all that he has for you. These things that we find ourselves uh, feeling that we've put aside and that we've been robbed of or the uh, things that we feel uh, that have just gone a little bit too far out of reach for us. Those things aren't out of reach, and they're not out of pocket or out of play. What it is, you are being divinely positioned to see that which you have not seen, to do that which you have never done. And and better yet, you are really being uh, uh, positioned to have your life manifest what you were created to do, and that's something wonderful. And all it really takes is for you to accept being who you are. Now, uh, my next guest, let me tell you a little about this lady. Deborah Atkins has been a, uh, a playwright that I have followed for now going on a number of years. Deborah has done, uh, she has a company called Working Together as One Productions. And what I have seen her do in her company is create magical content that is ever-changing, and it's uh, definitely changing the lives of so many people. I would dare to suggest to you that you, if you are in Houston, Texas, and you have an opportunity to uh, see some of Deborah's work, that you might want to do so. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick uh, 50-second break, and when we come back, I will be on with Deborah Atkins from WTAO. We'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. If you want to get in on this dialogue, you can always feel free to hit us up at area code 646-478-5610 at 646-478-5610. We're going to go and take a couple of calls, and if you can hang on just a second, we're going to put you on air, 281-451. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young. 
take caller. Are you there? All right, as you can tell, Julia is definitely not in the studio today. I am having to learn how to do this stuff uh, while she is out on the fly. Um, another thing, let's go back to this conversation until we get Deborah on. The um, Something else I wanted to point out to you is that as you start preparing yourself to walk into your destiny and to find your place and, and to um, really embrace the things that are your talents and your gifts and things like that, it, what matters most is that you open yourself up to have not only what you envisioned yourself having, but all the things that God wants you to have, which are many. I have um, walked down some paths in my life, and and in that journey, I've asked myself, you know what, you know, how am I going to do this thing, whatever that thing was at the time? Uh, and, and I'm going to say this: every reasonable thing that I have ever achieved in my life, never did I have enough money to do it. Never. What, did I have the support and help that I needed from other people? And I would be so pissed off just to, I know that's not a cute user-friendly term, but to be honest, I would i would be just totally angry about uh, not being able to have the manifestation from the things that I wanted in my life. And these uh, situations would uh, definitely be, uh, would avail me to circumstances that required me to believe in something greater than myself, which was God. So with that being said, I think we have Deborah Atkins on and in the studio. Deborah, are you there? Hi, Dr. Young. How are you? I am Can you hear me? fantastic, Deborah. Uh, I want to begin this dialogue by talking about your story, and I, w- I just made a comment saying that I could not have done anything without first God putting me in a position to do it, that's number one. And number two, having everyone that I counted on either let me down or they may have not let me down. Let's say that they really wanted to come through for me and they just didn't because of whatever reasons. Is that a similar story for you as a playwright and producer? Oh, my God. I, I talked to tell in your conversation. I said he is telling my story as I get on this line. Dr. Young, I, I mean, I was brought tears to my eyes because it's so realistic. You know, when there's a calling in life and you know there's something that God has told you to do and and it hurts sometimes you don't get the support, but you know you can't stop, that's kind of where I'm at right now when it comes to producing stage plays. And, you know, I've been doing it for about 24 years. But you really think that people will get on board and everybody's not always on board, but I am thankful for friends like you, though, I can say. <laughs> Let me just put that little plug in now. Yeah, well, yeah, here's what I, w- I want to go with that, Deborah, and this is what people need to hear. This is not a woman that is struggling to put a play out, uh, because I want right. I don't want someone to confuse uh, the way that I am presenting this this in the context, because Deborah has hit plays, and the, it's always a packed audience, and in the South uh, Central United States, uh, anyone that is an actor or that uh, loves to see African-American theater knows who Deborah Atkins right. is. If you don't, you need to Google her. It's D-B-R-A-A-T-K-I-N-S, and it's W-T-A-L, like William Tom Adam Ocean Productions. But, Deborah, tell, uh, for those aspiring playwrights, you and Rashonda both reached a point 
where you had to say, you know what, this isn't just going to be an idea anymore. Could you take us to the day that you were sitting there and realized that I'm not going to just have a dream, I'm going to make it come true? Well, if I can be real honest with you, uh, it's something that God inspires me to do. I tell people this all the time. You know, God speaks to all of us. A lot of times we dismiss that little voice, but it's a little voice from God that won't leave me alone. He'll inspire me to write different plays. You know, I have produced plays that I have not even produced. I've written them, but I have not produced them yet because the season has not come. So I continue to just be led by the Spirit, but I will tell anybody, if you have any idea and it just will never leave you alone or go away, I would tell them to step out on faith because it definitely has to be a faith walk, not unless you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth, and just fulfill the dream because God supernaturally makes it happen. He always sends the provision for the vision. I know that's old cliche, but it's so true. You just have to be kind of obedient. Would you share with the audience, and, and come into your microphone a little bit. I want to make sure everyone can okay. hear you. Um, would you share with the audience uh, a time that Deborah Atkins was sitting there and and going, okay, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know where the resources are going to come from. And lo and behold, you got your miracle. Could you just tell us one of those moments? I have to be honest again. It's pretty <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of laughing because it pretty much happens like that all the time because God just said, like, Deborah, I need you to do this play. And I'm like, okay, where's the money going to come from? And when, I, when I'm obedient and go towards the, the fulfilling the goal, somehow somebody will call or somebody will donate or somebody will sponsor. So it happens a whole lot. You know, I haven't reached the plateau that I really would like to financially, but my motivation is I know for a fact that people's lives are being changed when they come to the place, you know, and people are looking at me like, oh, you've been doing these plays for a long time. You should really be having a lot of money by now. That's not the case. But, you know, you really can't measure success by money always, which is a wonderful thing, and Lord knows I would love to have some. But I, I measure my success by the life and the comments I get back from the plays because people can identify with the characters, and it pretty much helps them, you know. And then that helps me to keep moving forward. Yeah, those days I struggle because I'm like, nobody cares and where's the money? But once again, to answer your question, I would just tell that person who's listening, I have this idea and I know this is something I'm supposed to be doing. I would say just step out on faith, do it blindly, and trust God all the way. You know, that resonates so much. I have a uh, person that I'm working with um, that's in the process of writing a book now. Her name is Julie Dash, and you guys are going to be hearing a lot about this woman uh, all around the globe in the next year. And I remember talking to Julie, and she, and she, you know, I don't want to give away her book, but one thing that right. she said that reminded me of one of your characters is that when she was a child, um, she just didn't fit in. You know, it's like right. she, yes. she knew how to work the charms and work the jelly, but she always had this little bit of gumption and this little bit of courage that she would step and boldly go into places where other people dare not tread. And when right. she stepped into these environments, Julie would always land on her feet. It would be like she would fall from a tree almost like a cat, twisting, turning all the way right. down 
but she hits the ground running. And one thing that I've noticed with you, Deborah, is I have uh, been uh, so blessed to uh, even see your plays, but I like even yeah. sitting in the audience and just looking. And I will look to my left and to my right in these uh, theaters, and I see all these tears and welling up in people's eyes, and right. I see people really get a really good belly laugh, or I hear a lot of uh hums. And then there's times uh-huh. then there that you can hear a pin drop because people are uh, basically sitting on the edge of their thoughts, almost like being on the edge, a cat being on the edge of a ledge about to pounce uh-huh. in anticipation of what's going to happen next. So I want to ask you, as art tends to imitate life, right. what are the things that you have been writing that resonate and really that you've gotten the comments back about and say, girl, that was me. Would you describe a couple of those characters and, and how they came into existence? Well, let me say this, too. The play we're doing right now is called One Good Man, and it's a Christian play, of course, and it's dealing with, like, relationships. All the plays I produce definitely deal with relationships. Like this particular character, for example, Tyrese, he said, one good man. You know, we we hear a lot of bad things about men, but at this point, we're kind of uplifting the man for a change. He's not being bad, but it shows that he's human, too. You know, this time the wife is kind of doing some things, you know, losing her mind a little bit. But in this particular play, it shows everybody's side. It shows his faults, you know, his strengths, and the same with her. You know, and every play that I produce, I mean, you can come to see everybody's woman. You can come see I'm sorry I'm not good enough. It's all kind of characters that people can relate to because it truly is real-life characters. And like you said a minute ago, when you sit in the audience, people are like, wow, how does she know my story? It's because it's human stories. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Latino. It's everybody deals with the same things when it comes to being hurt, rejected, not feeling good enough. And that's kind of what happens in these plays. But now One Good Man, it's a little bit of a twist. Like I say, I don't want to give it away. Because I do, I do want your listeners to come and see the play. But this time, the man—he's doing everything right, but still, yet he has some issues too. That kind of drives well, his wife away a little bit. But I got to ask you this, I, and without okay. giving it away, but I know right. that that you have a way of writing uh, material and presenting material that pushes the envelope of what people would find to be traditional. Because I, I know a couple right. of things. Your plays are, they're damn sure not boring, and they dang sure, they're not PG, uh, they're not rated R, but they're not exactly right. for a five-year-old. You could take a 13-year-old to see it and be right. glad you took exactly. because your plays are explaining things you probably don't want to talk to your kid about, but your kid needs to know. And this particular right. play, tell me just, if I, I just want to do a little play on the characters. What is the, okay. going on with this woman? in this place, and and how does she, what's going on well, between let me say her this. and this man? This was a good play, actually, for Christian marriages. This was, this particular play, even though it's dealing with relationships, but I think the Christian marriages, those are the people who really need to come out because it's a line, and I really hate that. I'm not going to say it because people just roll when they hear it, but when you're dealing with church, we think we're doing all everything right, but still we seem to be missing the mark. And this is kind of what happens to her. You know, you could be doing a good thing, but it's not. You can think you're doing a godly thing, but it's not necessarily always a good thing, if that makes any sense. 
without mm-hmm. kind of really telling the story, but it's telling you from different aspects. Like I said, he has a so he's a good man. He's a, he 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 loves the Lord. He works. He's a good father. But yet somehow his wife still kind of messes up. You think you have all this in your house? It, let me tell you, it reminds me of the biblical story, Hosea and Gomer. Now she. So had wait, wait, wait! Hang on, Deborah. People now, I'm just going to say it, and, and our, my audience is not all Christian. My audience is like okay, me. Okay, I understand. But we love the Lord, but, you know, uh, Goma was a hoe for y'all that don't know it, all right? And and, and right. the story behind this is God told this man to marry a hoe. So right. I'm not going to try to uh, dig into your plate, but right. I hope that this, well, never mind. You go ahead, because I, I, I don't want to I'm not saying, you. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that she is this, but my point again is, Sometimes you can have a godly man in your house and still end up doing foolish stuff. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you think, because wow. you hear women say all the time, oh, I wish I had a Christian man, I wish I had a godly man. And just because you have that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a happy marriage. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. and I love the Lord, but I, sometimes you just need to see it from all point of views. You know, sometimes we can yeah. do such godly stuff and it's not really good stuff. Because it hurts the marriage. But anyway, I want to tell you the story because if I talk, keep on talking, you'll kind of figure it out. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I, I want us to take like a, just a little 50-second uh, break and come okay. right back. Deborah, can you give us about nine more minutes? Yes, I can. I can. Okay, this sounds great. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young America. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back at you. <laughs> Conversations with Dr. Devon Young. I have all. I, I want to just say I've had two phenomenal women on my show. One is still with me. Uh, Rashonda Tate Billingsley was on uh, just prior to my current guest, Deborah Atkins. If you missed that interview, you definitely can go and check it out in the archives. All of our programs are archived for your listening convenience. And we're talking to Deborah Atkins, who is a phenomenal playwright who has written a plethora of content. And if you have ever been anywhere, especially in the South Central United States, you know who this woman is, you know what her work is about, and I can tell you it is nothing short of spectacular. She um, writes plays and develops characters within those plays that are so relatable, and there's if, if you don't personally uh, see yourself in the character, I can promise you, you will see your brother, your sister, your aunt, your cousin, that chick or that guy you used to date. Deborah, when um, this this current play uh, that you're working on now, I know that um, it it is very difficult at best to put together something 
and to you something you do so well is you tell a story that really encompasses seasons of a person's life, and you make that mm-hmm. come to life in a matter of about an hour and a half, two hours at the most. What That's is right. the biggest challenge as a playwright, and especially doing things that are faith-based, um, and this is something you do so well, too, is that your plays aren't that religious BS, and I'm going to say that right. so you guys fight her, not me. But your plays, uh, in my opinion, I you know I don't I don't think your plays are for Christian people. I think they're just for people, right. people and and yes. they probably have a, a godly theme to them. But how do you how is it that you can always say the right thing without saying the wrong thing and say the thing? Tell me how do you come up with that? You know, I wish I could take the credit for that. I'm going to say it again. I truly am an inspirational writer. Sometimes I'm amazed at what's on the paper, and I'm like, where did that come from? You know, I'm I'm just a vessel, honestly. I'm truly a vessel. I, I'm not trying to brag or say anything, but I just get these ideas. And, and, I, and one thing about me, I, I have always had a passion of the hurting and the loss. So most of my plays are always deal with some type of relationship issue. You know what I'm saying? where you can help somebody, because we all have problems. We, have, we all have areas that we struggle in, that we're weak in. And I just want people to know that they're not alone, because a lot of times you get in, your, in a corner and, like, nobody knows what I'm going through. But when you come to one of my plays, you're like, wow, how did she know my story? You see, it's a real place. It's reality. And I just bring real life to the stage, okay? I've got to ask you this. How many okay. times... <laughs> Have we, as the audience, uh, for the thousands of people that have sat in an audience watching one of your plays and they're caught between a laugh and a tear, lump in the throat, uh, really on the edge wondering, okay, how is this really going to turn out? How much of that drama that you create so well has been inspired by things that happened in your life? You know what, honestly, just a very small part, but I can honestly say, I look at other people's lives, like right now I have a girlfriend that's going through something, and I told her, I'm going to write your story. You know, it's her story. Like this particular play, One Good Man, it's actually a sequel to another play, When Love Walks Away. So I know a lot of people haven't seen it because it's been years since we did that play, but it's just a continuing story. But now it's dealing with Phoebe and Tyrese's story, their marriage. So, yes, sometimes I can put a little bit of my life in it, but for the most part, no, it's just real life. You know, that people are going, I listen, I see stories on, you know, I listen to my friends and some of the things they're going through, and then God just kind of pretty much takes over from there. Well, Rashonda has a way of making you laugh your butt off. And every mm-hmm. one of her books, there are scenes in there that just make you go, well, who in the hell thought of that? And she just said <laughs> uh, that she's sitting in Starbucks watching this or her family reunion. So now I'm never going to your family reunion, Rashonda, and I'm damn sure not going to Starbucks <laughs> with you. But, Deborah, I've got to ask you, your plays have had scenes in them that just make you laugh until you you know how you laugh and you can't breathe right. Laugh. Where do you get this humor from? Do you know a bunch of uh, uh, crazy no. folks? Is this just <laughs> your imagination for us? It's my imagination. But honestly, the Williams family, we come from a list of comedians. We're naturally funny people. And I don't know, I'm telling you, I get around my family, my uncles that still live, and my aunties, 
they say some of the funniest things. I'm like, wow. You know, I just think God gives gifts to different families, and I think my family has a gift of laughter and humor. So it'll always come out of my plays. You know, my plays are always like a comedy drama. You're going to always feel, like you said a minute ago, you're going to cry, and then the next minute you're going to be laughing. And in this play, oh, my God, has some of the funniest parts to doing rehearsal. We have to stop because we're laughing so hard, and we already know what to expect because it's so funny, you know, and it just amazes me. So, yeah. I gotta ask this last thing because I know okay. we're getting short, and I don't want to hold you. Okay. Uh, have you ever written something, and one of your friends or relatives looked at you like, "Oh no, she didn't," because what you wrote about was something um, either parallel or kind of re- uh, that puts them in memory of their own lives. Meaning, have you ever had something that someone else inspired you to do? And then yeah, the resonance factor came from them. I can totally be honest with you. I've only did this twice in my whole life of writing, and I'm gonna tell you the names of the plays. Everybody's woman, because <laughs> I had a friend that was doing that, and everybody's man, because I knew a guy that was doing that. Now I got my inspirations from their life, but it wasn't their life per se. You know, the characters have changed, some of the names have changed, or whatever. But the idea came from what I witnessed from them. So I can honestly say, yes, I was inspired by two of my good friends, and they, they've come to the place and, mm-hmm, this is by me, huh? I'm like, well, you know. You Are know? they still friends? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still still friends. Yeah, of course. Even though one of them haven't came to the play in a long time, the one who did everybody's woman. But <laughs> she hasn't been to the play in a long time, but I'm trying to get her to come to this one right now. But we're still friends because, like I say, it really wasn't her life, but she could identify with that character. You know, she said, yeah, that's me. I'm everybody's woman, okay? Oh, yeah. boy. So, and again, ladies and gentlemen, we are not in turn. So if that individual uh, out of the millions of people that are going to listen to this show happens to be turning right. in, we're not talking about you. And I'm saying that right. while we. Uh, okay, i got to ask you this, Deborah. I know we're coming down on the wine. Uh, right. First, could you give everyone uh, how they can uh, check out? So I know some of your plays are on YouTube, so at least I yeah, they play. are. You can yes, see can... some of the plays on YouTube. So, is there a website that you want to give people, yes. or what? How do they look you up? They they can actually Google me. That's probably the easiest way. Deborah L. Atkins, or they can go to my world my website at www dot working together as one dot com. It's a long one. But they can you know, like I say, they can Google me or go to the website www working together as one dot com. And they can find oh, out all the information. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah, I was just saying, okay, and, and then if they Google you, you said Google Deborah D E B L no, yes. L yeah. L Atkins. Right? Yes. Right. Okay. That's correct. And then okay, they'll see the clips on YouTube and stuff. The play is actually going to be at the Harvest Time Church Theater on October the 5th at 6 o'clock p.m. And they can still purchase their tickets online at workingtogetheras1.com, or they can call 832-423-9090 to reserve their tickets. The tickets are $25 pre-sale and 30 at the door. And, and you said they can call eight. Ways. Let me yeah, go back, 832 832- Four two three ninety ninety. Ninety nine, and we do need the support. I mean, 
like you said, this play is good for our audience, but it's definitely good for people that are dealing with any kind of relationship problems, marriages, singleness. It has it all in there. There's so many messages going on at one time, you'd be amazed. And I'm sure you'll be able to relate to something that's on stage. Yeah. Well, Deborah, I do want to thank you uh, for taking the time to join our show today. And again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Deborah Atkins from Working Together as One Productions. And like she said, you can Google, and I would really suggest you go to YouTube because it's kind of like getting a little free seat to check her out, but it's yes. Deborah L. Atkins on YouTube. And we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you uh, so uh, much for having me. Okay, thank you, Deborah. We love you. And we'll talk soon. I love you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been one heck of a show today, and here's what I want to leave you with. I know for a fact that if you tune into my program on a regular basis that you will find that our, our ultimate goal is not only to encourage you but to enlighten you, educate you, and inform you. To what today's guests have shared is nothing short of just a mandate for having transformation and manifestation take place in your life. Quit talking about it. Quit thinking about it. Be about it. Um, You know, God only steers moving vehicles if you are going to receive what the universe has to offer you. You will only receive that if you position yourself to do so. So, With that said, what that means simply is do not allow anyone to stop you from being what you were created to be. Do not confuse your witnesses with your haters because I am going to be the first person to tell you that sometimes the very people that you feel are supposed to be your companions and your compadres and your consorts are really just your witnesses. So don't expect people that are supposed to witness you uh, have a miracle take place in your life actually uh, help that miracle to happen. What God gave you to do is housed inside of you, and no matter what you have, you have just what you need in order to make it happen. So with that said, I want to just tell you guys I really appreciate you taking the time to spend your lunchtime with me, and you know this phrase. If you are waiting on someone else to love you, don't waste your time because can't nobody love you like you. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and it's been an awesome day. I will talk to you on Sunday night at 730. With that said, God bless you, and have an awesome week. Love you. Talk to you soon.